And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. The really real deal with Brother Craig, the hatchet man. Hello there, America. It is that time again, folks. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming at you live here on America's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal, as we listen to a little bit of the Queen. Turn it back up there. Yeah, the the Queen of Soul, uh, gone but not forgotten. And, uh, hey, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Aretha later on. Uh, in today's program. Welcome to the program, folks. And uh, hey, for you ladies out there that are on your way to the women's uh, prayer rally, okay, uh, hey, the Hatchet Man will be out there uh, in a couple of hours, okay? Got a little something to do right here, uh, right now from 10 to noon. But um, yeah, such an honor uh, to have been invited out there. You know, they're talking about the seven uh, mountains of societal influence out there and one of those seven mountains is uh is is media okay and so uh i'll be out there uh probably around 12 30 or so uh the women are meeting uh at the clover hill church out in midlothian and uh and, you know and they and they are they are doing intercessory prayer for our society and uh, you know praying over these uh mountains of influence like uh faith and religion you know, the family, um, businesses, media, arts and entertainment, you know, all these different, uh, you know, the educational uh, establishment, all these different centers of influence. And, you know, and this kind of fits perfectly into uh, what I do because for 10 years, this is what I've been talking about, okay? And, um, you know, of course, government is one of those uh, seven mountains, but, you know, it's... uh, it, it's up to us, folks, and uh, we tend to put a whole lot of weight on one or two of those uh, seven mountains, and uh, we tend to not want to accept our own personal responsibility. And uh, But these women on the warpath, uh, hey, they're doing intercessory prayer today. If you are anywhere near uh, Clover Hill, if you're anywhere out in Melothian, actually, look, they're going to be there from 10 to 2. If you're anywhere in the within the sound of my voice, okay, <laughs> head on over, okay, head on over to Clover Hill Church, and uh, and and participate and see what the ladies are talking about, okay. And um, you know, for years, I can't count the number of years I've been talking about how we subcontract out the responsibility. Uh, like, for example, for the, the the mountain that you would call government. There are so many, I mean, in, in conservative talk radio, you know, that's the big one there, 
government, okay? And, uh, you know, the Democrats want more government. The Republicans want less government, generally speaking, okay? Uh, although I don't know of any Democrats that, that want less government, uh, but I do know of many Republicans that are fine with more government, bigger government, more powerful government, as long as they get to run it, okay? The thing about it, though, it gets to be to the point where it gets so big where you, you end up, you have a socialist or a communist. You, you have a, a nation where the people running government, they literally overpower the citizens, and you're no longer governed by the consent of the governed. You become a serf, okay? And so these are the people that, uh, just like ancient Israel, they cried out for a king. Okay. And so, you know, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, even Moses found out, Hey, we got to divide this thing up. (laughs) I mean, uh, now it took his father-in-law Jethro to, uh, make Moses see that. Okay. Moses was just, uh, being, uh, being overwhelmed, trying to, trying to run everything. And you just, you can't, you know, that's not God's, uh, plan. That's not God's design. God didn't create man to be a serf. God didn't create man to serve under his fellow man. God created man to serve under God and only God, okay? And uh, and we're supposed to be uh, equals other than that. And to the extent that we have people in authority, that authority is given to them, okay? It is not theirs to take. It is not an entitlement. It is given, and it's supposed to be freely given, okay? In the same way that God has us to freely worship him. And in our faith, now there are some faiths that say submit or die, okay? They'll cut your head off if you don't submit and uh, or just, just the threat of it. And people know, hey, well, I, you know, I better submit or I, I better not leave this religion and go get another religion because they'll come and kill me. And so they don't have to actually do it or demonstrate it in front of them. Historically, it's been demonstrated, and so they know. And therefore, these are people that are not free, okay? And in Christian faith, we are free, okay? Uh, But we are admonished, okay, not to use our freedom for evil, but to use our freedom for good and to serve our fellow man, okay? As Jesus said, the height of, of faith is to Love the Lord with all your heart and and love your fellow man as you love yourself, okay? And so, and it all, it all boils down to freedom. We are free, okay? We are, and we do these things willingly. And these women on the warpath, they're out there. They're doing this willingly, okay? In, taking uh, intercessory prayer over all these seven mountains of influence and you know, and I just, and I love this. I love what they're doing because this is, this is what I've been teaching, uh, you know, literally for the, almost the entire time, uh, that I've been on the air that, uh, you know, for example, the, it's, it's one thing to pray for the wisdom of the teacher. Okay. But it's quite another thing for you as a parent to take up your role as teacher. Okay. And so, and in that way, if you're teaching your child in the home, when you send your child off to school, your child is ready to learn because learning is not a new thing, okay? And so this, we have so much of this, uh, particularly in, in, in with, with uh, a lot of young men who, when they come in contact with authority figures, 
uh, you know, quite often uh, there's been no model for how to comport yourself properly with authority. So when you come in contact with authority, you know, if there's any uh, bitter taste in your mouth, you act out and, and now you have a situation, okay? And, and all of a sudden, it's a life and death situation. And you have people in society that rather than take authority over these situations very early in life, they allow these situations to fester so that when they, this festering situation erupts, there are people in India, and I know I get a lot of heat for saying this, but this is truth, folks. This is truth. There are people that benefit. The, you know, do you think these lawyers that file these lawsuits do this a uh, pro bono, or are they getting when 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 that three million dollar uh, settlement comes in, the lawyer got a million? Okay, it's just it, this is why they do this. You know, Al Sharpton, Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson. Okay. I mean, give me a break, okay? Our forefathers won the civil rights battles, okay? And so the, what, what does God's holy word say after a war is won, after a battle is over? What are we supposed to do, okay? We're supposed to beat our swords into plowshares, okay? And so in the event that the war is not a shooting war and, and you, you're not using a sword, Okay, it's a it's a it's a a a moral war, a spiritual war, and you've won the war. And so you convert resources that used to go to fighting. Now you convert those resources into uh, metaphorical plowshares, i.e., get busy building, get busy, you know, teaching, get busy training up the next generation. You don't continue to fight. The battles won. My parents and grandparents' generation won these battles. And so why do you even have, you know, a need for an Al Sharpton, a Jesse Jackson, a Louis Farrakhan? Okay. I mean, you know, Elijah Muhammad didn't do a good enough job that Louis Farrakhan has to come behind him. You know, Martin Luther King didn't do a good enough job. I mean, come on this. I mean, all of these barriers that were put there, they've been broken down. And so you have people that actively, desire and actively work and actively promote negative influences in society with the idea that, you know, it's kind of like that old thing of, you know, the guy who is a, um, a member of the volunteer fire department. He goes over into the woods and sets what he thinks is going to be a, <clears throat> a little teeny uh, fire. And, and, and then he goes back to the station and, and, and waits for the phone to ring. And so he gets to go and play hero. Okay. Except this is, you know, and, and quite often those things can get out of hand and lives and property can be devastated, okay? And so this is what we have. And, and so rather than just uh, momentary glory uh, like the little guy at the volunteer fire department, you have people that have made this a profession, okay? Their livelihood depends on this, okay? And so... We should not subcontract out the responsibility uh, to take care of these things because that's your only guarantee that your child will not fall under the sway of these professional uh, pimps out here that want these. You know, these are literally yielded vessels of Satan. Literally, this is what they are. Okay, and so yeah, this what these women are doing, having this prayer rally. 
spreading the word out here. You know, things that, uh, you know, people like myself, I don't, I don't want to just keep saying I, I, I. I'm not the only one. I've been saying that for many years. As a matter of fact, when you hear my giving ad that, that's coming up, because, you know, freedom isn't free. And uh, But I don't just say, well, this is what uh, Brother Craig does. This is what the Really Real Deal does. This is what the First Amendment, Inc. does. But I talk about this is what many, many groups are out here doing. The Salvation Army, the Virginia Christian Alliance, the Salt and Light Council, the many, many churches. See, all churches are not run by Reverend Chickenfoot. You have some churches that are run by real pastors that care that are out here that are preaching the word of God, that bring the thunder when thunder is called for, okay? Now, of course, you're always going to have in society people that they want rain without thunder. They want the beauty of the ocean without the roar, the, you know, the angry roar from time to time, you know? They want to eat out of the garden, but they don't want to plow and pull weeds, okay? You're always going to have idiots like that. But all are not like that. All are not like that. And I'm not the only watchman on the wall out here. But if you're listening to the sound of my voice, if you're watching via Facebook, if you're listening in uh, Central Virginia on WNTW, if you're listening out in Lynchburg on um, 94.1, if you're listening in Roanoke on uh, 8.90 a.m., if you're listening out in Bedford, okay, wherever you are, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, a brother Craig. You, you, I just, I just want you to know that uh, we're gonna go to break, and I want you to just listen to the ad that's gonna play. Because listen, folks, I don't do this often enough, and I know it's it's summer. It's the kind of the summer doldrums, the dog days of August, as they say. Folks are on vacation. Folks are busy. Folks are not paying attention. But regardless of what is going on, my prayer for you is that you be a giver, okay, and that you understand that we all have a role to play, okay, and even when uh, when you, when we read God's holy word about the various gifts that people have and how we all are supposed to deploy our gifts, one of those gifts is the ability to stroke a check, okay, word of God, not the word of Brother Craig, and so my prayer for you is that you look around and you see uh, where is there a need, okay, and you, 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 you support people that are filling these needs, okay? And, and hopefully and prayerfully, uh, what we do here on The Really Real Deal, what we have been doing uh, for 10 years uh, with, with my organization, The First Amendment, Inc., and, you know, freedom is a use-it-or-lose-it proposition. Uh, hopefully, uh, it is uh, an endeavor that those of you who are givers, and I know there are many of you out there, Okay, Uh, you give to your churches, you give to the Red Cross, you give to the Heritage Foundation, you give to uh, political candidates that you believe in. You you give when there's a disaster, you know, Uh, but there is an ongoing disaster with all these yielded vessels of Satan. And, uh, you know, my prayer is that you see me as a warrior fighting these yielded vessels on your behalf for you, for your children, and for your grandchildren, and for my children, and for my grandchildren. And that, uh, and so give a listen. Uh, you know, we play this ad uh, every week, but I just I just want you to give a listen. And look, I hope we have, do we have Aretha Franklin again? You got to think, okay, let's, yeah, for the queen of soul, let's, let's, let's play that song and then go into break. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. 
Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog Radio program, The Really Real Deal, as we uh, listen to a little bit of Aretha Franklin there. Yeah, we kind of had a long segment uh, to open the program, and uh, so we have a little short segment now uh, here, uh, about five minutes before we go to the bottom of the hour news break. I would love to chat with some of you. I, I mean, I'm telling you, 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. And, uh, I mean, I'd love to chat with, um, you know, I love all my uh, my regular callers. I'd love to chat with one of you. But, you know, uh, for some of you folks out in the new areas where we're broadcasting, uh, out in Lynchburg, out in um, um, Radford, out in Roanoke, out in Bedford, okay? Uh, some of you folks are watching on Facebook, okay? We, um, you know, from time to time, we do get calls from uh, many states in the United States. Even uh, on occasion, uh, we get international calls, okay? So, uh, hey, so if you're watching, we would love to uh, have your comments now. Uh, a lot of uh, issues that we will be discussing today, uh, I would love to discuss uh, whatever you guys would like to discuss, okay? We've got uh, all this Black Lives Matter uh, nonsense. Uh, there was another police shooting um, out in, I think this one was out in uh, Minnesota, and the video showed that the uh, the, the gentleman that was shot was, was indeed armed and um you know, uh, about three weeks ago, I participated in a program where I went through uh, a training simulator uh, identical to the one that police officers go through. As a matter of fact, I would love to hear from someone that has uh, that type of experience that has uh, is or has been a police officer, a member of the military who's, you know, proficient with firearms, that has the type of training uh, that... Um, where you know that an assailant would be dangerous, okay? Because even me, now, 
when whenever uh, someone that got shot and he had a knife or a pipe or, you know, he had some kind of weapon other than a gun, you know, I used to think, well, wow, why couldn't they just tase him or why'd they have to shoot him until I went through this training, okay? And so, and now I understand, okay? But unless more and more of uh, you understand, then there are going to be people out here that these uh, poverty pimp politicians and pulpit pimp preachers, you, they are going to be able to push your emotional buttons because uh, without knowledge, uh, you know, their arguments, uh, some of their arguments, that is, you know, can, can, can make a little bit of sense. Now, for the most part, you know, I think people see that it's, it's just a, a racial division, okay? And, uh, and, and, it's, and it's particularly ugly when it comes from preachers. It's particularly ugly. Okay, I mean, there's there's this one. I'm not going to call the church's name, but it's a very prominent church where I have on good authority that uh, one day, even in inside the church during prayer, someone prayed for Donald Trump to be assassinated. Okay, this is someone in leadership. Okay, and this is this is this is this is ugliness. Okay, this is ugliness. And I can't tell you the number of times that I myself personally sat and heard uh, preachers praise Barack Obama, okay, and claim that back when he was president and claim that, you know, all opposition is just because the man has brown skin, okay? And this is a preacher that has has the word of God right there, okay? And so, you know, and he, and there's, there's, there's no ability for him to go into the word of God, although there should be an ability for him to do that, but he's so blinded, he's so in his flesh, okay? And the color of skin, that's literally the flesh, not the spirit, literally, okay? Because that's the covering of the flesh. And so you have a man, supposedly a man of God, supposedly teaching you about the spirit, and he's standing in front of a congregation, and he's teaching about the flesh, my goodness. And so I guess it falls on the hatchet man to do it. So I'll do it gladly. Anyway, uh, we're going to take our bottom of the hour news break. We will be right back. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog radio program, The Really Real Deal. And, um, you know, I just I just love that song. And, um, you know, let it, let, it, let it play a little bit under my voice, okay? I mean, she says her soul 
was in the lost and found, and somebody came along and claimed it, okay? I mean, that's powerful. Now, this is a woman who was very familiar with sorrow. And so I think her life demonstrates how how the the hardships of life, you know, it's, it's that old saying about uh, creating a beautiful statue. You know, God takes an ordinary rock and has the sculptor apply a chisel and, and put a hammer to that. And, and, and through that process of pain, he fashions something beautiful. And so what a lot of us want is we want the beauty without the pain. We don't want the striking upon our soul, the striking upon our character, the striking, uh, it, you know, all these strikes in our memory of the things we've gone through throughout life. We don't want that, but we want our life to become a beautiful statue. Well, very, very difficult to have one without the other, okay? And, uh, you know, and upon the passing of uh, Aretha Franklin, I did a little uh, research into her life, and I found some things that I did not know. Although uh, always, you know, just her, she always seemed to have a sort of a sad countenance. So I got the sense prior to doing a little digging that she was a woman who was familiar with sorrow. Uh, but I, And then I found out that she had her first child at the age of 12. She had her second child at the age of 14, okay? Um, married at age 19. And just never had the type of uh, fulfillment um, romantically that she sings about, <laughs> okay? And so, and so out of that longing, I think, comes the capacity to, and I, and, and I don't think she wrote these songs. These were songs that were written for her. But, you know, people that write songs quite often, they know for whom to write the song, that who could, who could handle this song, who has the ability to uh, absorb this song and deliver it properly. Okay, and so Aretha really uh, definitely had the ability to do that. And so, you know, what is she saying? Is you know, when she sings that song, is you know, is she a, a fulfilled woman? And there's there's a man that already has found her soul, and or is she singing that she wishes a man would find will go into the lost and found and claim her soul? Okay, it's just it's it's just I find this. Uh, this fascinating, you know, and, um, you know, and you can, you can go through God's word and you can find all types of, uh, for you out there who may be uh, having sorrows, you know, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I mean, there's, you know, all this better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. Okay. It's, um, you know, his anger lasts a moment, his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning, okay? It's just, you know, it, it, it just seems to me that throughout all the high points and adulation uh, that we know of as Aretha Franklin and how we, 
we celebrate her life, her music, her her talent, her achievements that uh, like so many other people, there's a backstory into how that occurred that we are not very familiar with. Okay. And so maybe if we study these people and one of the things I have always enjoyed doing is to study great people. And if you study great people, what you will find is you will find that they are ordinary. They're really uh, at their essence, they're ordinary people who have gone through, who have allowed the the process of transformation to occur. They basically, she basically turned her herself, you know. And I don't say maybe in a, you know, I don't know the state of what her uh, faith or religion uh, was. You know, I do believe she was a Christian. I do believe she was she was saved, a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and I'm not making a comment on, um, you know, how well or unwell, you know, she or I don't do that with, with her or with anyone else. Okay. You know, I have a a hard enough time handling that (laughs) with myself. Okay. (laughs) But, um, it's, uh, for you out there that are going through things, you're not the only one. And so when you when you when you read God's word, when you study the lives of others, you'll find that, you know, they've gone through things like you've gone through. And as a matter of fact, I think um as I read a lot of the quotes from her and saw a lot of the interviews that she's done lately, one of the things that stuck out in uh my mind is that she said that um you know, I'm really just the old lady next door. <laughs> okay. And, then, and of course she was, you know, much older when she said that. And, uh, so anyway, um, it's, uh, it's, it's great that, uh, we have been blessed with her artistry and, um, but, um, I would like to, uh, open the phone lines up now. Again, uh, we have, uh, two guests that are going to be on with us in our second hour, Okay, so uh, the number here is 804-454-1366, Now, at 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to have Gregory May. Uh, he's going to join us, and uh, he's uh, another economist. Okay, we've been having a lot of economists <laughs> here lately, and um, uh, he's written a book uh, about the national debt and the how the history of how this nation uh, originally got saved from debt and perhaps how it can be saved again. And I know uh, for many of you in this audience, that's a big deal. And from actually for me, that's a big deal because I think that is so overlooked um, because you have Republicans advertise themselves as being uh, better with the checkbook of the nation. And, uh, and Democrats, uh, they just basically, they, they say to the ordinary people, we are going to give you free stuff, okay? But behind the scenes, what they're really doing is the Cloward Piven strategy. They're living that out. And the Republicans are so blind to it that when Republicans get in power, they just follow right along with the Cloward Piven playbook. They just do it a little bit slower, okay? And so there's a cliff up ahead, and the Democrats get in power and they put the pedal to the metal, okay? And so they want to take us over the cliff at 100 miles an hour. And Republicans get in there and they want to take us over the cliff at 25 miles an hour. We're still going over the cliff, okay? I say, let's put this baby in reverse, okay? <laughs> so, But no one wants to do that because 
in order to put it in reverse, what Republicans have to do is they have to go to ma and pa citizen. Okay, and that's that's both sides. You you hear me all the time talk about ma and pa Republican and ma and pa Democrat. Okay, so when I'm pimp slapping the Democrats, I'm like, okay, I don't mean you, ma and pa Democrat. I'm talking about your leadership. And then when I pimp slap those low fat Republicans, those tofu and celery Republicans, okay, who talk the talk but can't walk the walk. Okay, I'm always careful again to say. I'm not talking about you, Ma and Pa Republican. But this time, I am talking about you, okay? I'm talking about this entire nation, Ma and Pa Republican and Ma and Pa Democrat. Because the people in leadership, they particularly on financial matters, they respond to you, okay? And so... This is why I was so, you know, early on, I was a Ted Cruz guy, okay? And uh, now, I mean, I'm uh, 100% behind uh, Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, even when um, very early on, I predicted Trump would win and he would beat my guy Cruz for the simple fact that I thought Cruz was not projecting enough strength. And Donald Trump had strength in spades, okay? You can say what you like about the manner in which he displays that strength, okay? But when the door needs to be kicked down, you don't go get the um, the uh, kindergarten teacher to do it, okay? You get a man's man to kick the door down, okay? And so that's Trump, okay? He's kicking the door down in, in several ways, all right? So, and so it's pointless to debate the minutia of Donald Trump. And, and so... You know, I welcome your calls, but if you're calling up here and every now and then I get a caller that thinks he's cute and he wants to uh, cite chapter and verse of all the sins of uh, Donald Trump. Well, shucks, he he might as well cite chapter and verse all the sins of Craig Johnson, all the sins of, uh, you know, Sam Smith. It's, it's, It's really irrelevant, okay? It's what is the man doing? Where is he taking the nation? Where did this nation come from? Where are we right now and where are we going? And there's a clear trajectory and it's not difficult to see. And I've been speaking on this and I, I, maybe I don't do it often enough, but I've been been talking about this literally the entire time I've been on, in radio. You know, I'm, I remember the first year I was in radio, one of my big talking points was Cloud and Piven, okay? And this is... Um, this is a strategy, and and Cloward and Piven, they were sociology professors at uh, Columbia University, a husband and wife team, okay? Francis Fox Piven is still out there. Cloward is dead, okay? Um, but Piven is still out there, and there are literally thousands, thousands of graduates that they've dumped this garbage into their heads. Literally, this is a plan how to take out the United States of America, through economic warfare, okay? And so we like to think of war only as uh, uh, something with guns. There's all types of war, and we're literally, we're at war, okay? And so uh, these people, these people are long-term thinkers, okay? Uh, you know, I interviewed a guy yesterday, Robert Spencer. He's, he's talk, we were talking about uh, the uh, jihad, okay? His latest book is The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS and how our enemies have a long memory, okay? And you go to, uh, you'll see it all the time, uh, 
guys will interview college students and they can't even, uh, you know, college students now can't even answer basic questions about American civics. College students or recent American history. And we're fighting people that, you know, I mean, September 11th attack was on September 11th because of September 11th, 15, in the 1500s and the 1600s, two Muslim defeats, okay? Long memory, long memory. And so all these people are long-term, you know, the Muslim fundamentalists that want to defeat us, the communists that want to defeat us, all these agents, these, these people in what I call the coalition of evil, the communists, the socialists, the fascists, the Muslim fundamentalists. Maybe you can say the atheists are not um, long-term thinkers because they're all going to go to hell, so they're not thinking very far into the future. And, uh, but the rest of these people, you know, these, and, and the, the homosexual, the hom- the ho- what I call, what's the name I have? The homo-Nazis, okay? The femo-Nazis and the homo-Nazis, you know, they're not long-term thinkers, okay? They're thinking, they're just in their flesh, Okay, and so they just, you know, they want to be uh, physically gratified and emotionally gratified and want to force me to accept their madness. You know, they're free to engage in their madness. They're not free to force me to accept it. Okay, but this is the Democrat coalition. Okay, the coalition of evil. And as far as the members of that particular coalition that uh, care, you know, again, some of them care about things like you know, uh, taking your children and um, in, in hypersexualizing your children, raping your children, you know, converting your children, confusing your children. Some of them are concerned with those things, but some of them are concerned with literally overtaking government, okay? Socialism, communism, fascism, and, and Muslim fundamentalism. And make no mistake about it, Islam is a political ideology, with the cover of religion, but it's but primarily it's politics, okay? And what do all these political um, ideologies have in common? Islam, communism, socialism, fascism, Nazism, you know, what they all have in common, you know, even the, uh, the old confederacy, okay? What they all have in common is that we want to use the power of government to force our will on our fellow citizens, okay, because they're less than us, okay? The Democrats of the Old South, you black people, you're less than us, okay? The Nazis, you Jews, you, you, you non-Aryans, you're less than us. You gypsies, you're less than us, okay? The Muslim world, you Christians, you Jews, you Hindus, you're less than us, okay? You know, on and on and on. The imperial Japanese, the whole world, you're less than us. Okay? And so, therefore, we have the right, we have the right to dominate you. And so, this is what we're faced with. This is what we're faced with. And so, one of the ways that they wage war, they're waging war in so many ways. And, you know, I think last week we spoke about the... um, you know, the atheists and the Satanists uh, getting together and they're wanting to put a, um, a satanic statue that shows a little boy and a little girl looking up adoringly at a uh, demon with horns that's seated on a throne. And they want to take this, um, this idol, this evil, wicked idol, 
and they want to take it and place it next to the Ten Commandments monument in Arkansas, okay? And so, and what are we doing? We got our head on backwards. We all over football, okay, basketball. This is what Kareem Jabbar said. This is what James, whatever his name, King James. Well, no, I'm not going to call that joker King James. That sounds too much like the Bible. But, you know, James, the guy, he, he plays basketball for Cleveland, a uh, tall guy with a beard and, uh, and, and, and a low IQ, okay? So, I mean, very, very good at basketball, not good at commentating, okay? Joker wants to come and do what I do, and now I'm not trying to do what he does, okay? He's a good basketball player. He should stick to basketball, okay? And I promise him this, I'll stick to articulating and commenting and, you know, diving deep into the knowledge to, to share with you what's the really real deal, okay? Not the minutia that you get from other media outlets, the really real deal. I'll stick to this and, and, and James, LeBron, that's his name, LeBron James. LeBron James, he can stick to basketball, okay? Actors and actresses, you know, if they would just shut up and sing, oh, wouldn't it be a wonderful world, <laughs> okay? But um, anyway, look, I'm a little long on this segment. We're going to take a quick break. And again, I, 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 I ask you to listen to this giving ad uh, because, uh, you know, it's the summer doldrums. I know the dog days of August, but the show does go on. And while folks are out, um, you know, having a good time at the basketball game, at the baseball game, at the beach, taking vacation, you know, there are all kinds of people uh, you know, police officers, firemen, military soldiers. And then there's also people like myself, watchmen on the wall. I never leave my post. You know, you ask Mrs. Hatchet if, if, <laughs> if I, you know, when I'm sleeping, I'm sometimes dreaming about, okay, what, what I've got to do next. And, uh, and uh, you know, but it's a labor of love. I love it. And I don't say that as a complaint, but I uh, do say that freedom is not free. There's a cost to this. All that time and energy and research it, and to, to put that together and to bring it to you here over the airwaves, okay, wherever you are, if you're out in, you know, you know we're, we're, we're in multiple uh, places now, but in each and every place there is a cost, okay? It's, uh, this is not free. And, uh, and while you receive it freely and I give it freely and, God has handed it to me freely. Um, there is a cost, and so we would just ask you to, to listen. Uh, perhaps go to our website, thereallyrealdeal.com, uh, check us out, and on every single page of that website, there is a donate button, okay? And uh, when we come back from the break, I will, for those of you who do not go online, I'll give you the physical address where you can write a check and mail it, okay? So you guys go get your pen and paper. We'll be right back. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig.
Attention Tradesmen. Since 2009, CodeUpdateForYou.com has provided continuing ed courses to renew your fuel, gas, plumbing, electrical, or HVAC card. CodeUpdateForYou.com aims for simplicity from sign-up to course completion and sends in your results for you. With CodeUpdateForYou.com, you can complete your course from your home or work computer 24-7 at your own pace. Experience great customer service and get your required CEU credits by going to CodeUpdate. Number four, letter U.com. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VACHristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live as we listen to a little bit of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. She's saying a little prayer for just for me. I really, really do appreciate that. I could use all the prayer I can get. I tell you, and I know you could too. And now, if you feel like you could use some prayer or if you could engage in some prayer, let me tell you right now, okay, at Clover Hill Church, there is a group of women on the warpath, okay? Now, these are godly women, God-fearing women, okay? Uh, they're having a prayer rally, so don't be afraid when I say women on the warpath, okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, they've been there since 10 o'clock. They're going to be there until 2 o'clock, and the address over there is uh, 12310, okay? 12310 Bailey Bridge Road, 12310 Bailey Bridge Road, Clover Hill Church, okay? So go check them out. Now, I promised you also that um, when we when we got back from break, playing my giving ad, okay? Because, you know, as a, as a watchman on the wall, it's, um, you know, this this just doesn't happen by osmosis. There, there's a cost. Freedom is not free is a very, very old saying for a reason, okay? And so... Uh, for those of you who uh, perhaps did not want to go to the uh, website, thereallyrealdeal.com, and would just like to send an old-fashioned check in the mail, we would really, really, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we could, we could use the help, quite honestly. We really could. And I, and I need to say this more often, okay? And, uh, and I'm just, I'm very neglectful 
in doing that. And I apologize for that. But uh, you would make your check out to the First Amendment Inc. The First Amendment Inc. Okay, just like in the Constitution, I'm I'm founder and president of the First Amendment Inc. All right, and the address is 8659 Staples Mill Road. 8659 Staples Mill Road. All right, and the zip code that's Richmond, Virginia. Okay, Richmond, Virginia. The zip code is two three. Two two eight, okay, eight six five nine Staples Mill Road, Richmond, Virginia, two three two two eight, and we greatly appreciate it, okay. And uh, also, we we appreciate your listenership. Um, we probably have time. If someone were to call in, it would be a really quick, short phone call because we're close. Okay, all right, one minute to break. No, <laughs> a little bit too close. Okay, so, but on the other side of the break, uh, we're blessed and honored to have, I mean, at, at, at on Johnson's Mountain, it's been raining books lately, okay? We get so many books in the mail, so many authors that want to come and share with you here at The Really Real Deal, and uh, I mean, just this week, I think we've gotten 20 books in the mail. We can't interview them all, but um, we are going to interview uh, Gregory May on the other side of the break, and uh, we've also, we've gotten a book from Thomas Sowell. We're really hoping to get him on the program. Uh, Greg Jarrett, uh, I mean, just, I I can't even remember all the books, but anyway, we're going to take our top-of-the-hour news break and your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, will be right back. With the midnight dew, I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog Radio program, The Really Real Deal, as we listen to a little bit of the late, great Aretha Franklin again. Uh, And uh, hey, as promised, folks, uh, we have a fantastic guest uh, joining us here, and um, his name is Gregory May, okay? And... um, Mr. May, he's an internationally known tax expert, uh, writes a lot about tax and tax policy, uh, former Supreme Court law clerk. Uh, He's practiced in D.C. and in New York uh, over 30 years, I think. And, uh, hey, he has a local uh, Virginia connection. He is a graduate of the very beautiful and historic College of William and Mary, and um, and also of Harvard, but we're going to forgive him for that. <laughs> Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, and uh, hey, and thank you for writing this book, The Most Famous Founding Father You've Never Heard Of, and, you know, and I try to stay up on these things, and uh, I had not heard of uh, Gallatin, or is it Gallatin? Is it Gallatin? Gallatin, Albert Gallatin. Yeah. And the the name of the book is Jefferson's Treasure. Yeah, yeah. His treasure, not his treasurer, his treasure. (laughs) It's about about not only the man, but the money. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and we've all heard of uh, George Washington's um, Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Alexander Hamilton. 
And uh, but here we have uh, Thomas Jefferson's Secretary of the Treasury, and uh, and now we know that they these were like opposing political parties. I don't know if they were uh, quite as vociferous or quite as defined and delineated then as they are now. I know they were vociferous, but as far as on issues, were um, you know Republicans or and Whigs uh, as clearly defined from Democrats? then as they are now and and were the various issues on the two sides uh did they kind of correlate to where we are now a uh, big government versus small government or at least they say small government well the, the, they were very delineated by the time jefferson got into office uh but it's hard to draw direct connections between the issues then and the parties then and the issues now and the parties now the two parties opposing each other at that time were the Federalists, the party of George Washington and John Adams, and the Republicans, the party of Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and James Monroe, which then eventually be, began to call itself the Democratic Party uh, by the age of Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's difficult to draw direct connections between either of those groups and mm-hmm. our current parties, although people try to do that all the time. Yeah, but yeah. The, the political issues at the time were, not surprisingly, uh, very much about money and about how powerful the central government was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Hamilton wanted a strong federal government. Um, and then, of course, Jefferson wanted the states to remain stronger, uh, if I understand my American history correctly. That's right. Uh, they, uh, Jefferson and his party thought that democracy depended upon keeping government close to the people. Mm-hmm. And in those days when communications were very different, the country was very different, uh, a central government, they thought, would quickly come under the control of an elite. And it was actually that fight over elite control that directly connected to the central issue that gave rise to the parties. Mm-hmm. And that was the fight over how to finance and pay for the national debt. Right. Well, obviously, at the birth of the nation, you there had to be a surge of uh, federal power. It, it's, I guess the question is, how do you have a surge and how do you have an off switch you know, or, or run the risk of creating a Frankenstein uh, over which you you lose control. That's right. And from the point of view of the Jeffersonian Republicans, the, the, the question was really the preservation of, of popular rule, mm-hmm. because they thought that a central government that had a lot of power and had a lot of centralized financial resources would quickly come under the control of a small elite group of people. But doesn't that happen uh, regularly anyway? I mean, for years I've been talking about how every four generations we go to war, and one of the things that happens in these gates in history from the Revolution to uh, four generations later, Lincoln and the Civil War, four generations later, you know, FDR and, and, and World War II. And right now, same thing, Donald Trump. Here we are four generations later. It seems there's this fight. Uh, it's like a, a system gets created, and after four generations, it's, uh, you know, there's nowhere for it to go. 
And so it seems like it has to be uh, either destroyed or pruned or, you know, something has to happen so it can kind of have a rebirth. Um, is, is, is that what we're seeing now? Could that be the connection between uh, what Trump is trying to do, um, what he calls the swamp, and, and what uh, Gallatin and Jefferson were trying to do uh, with uh, what Hamilton had created? Well, our federal government is not our forefathers' federal government, and the circumstances now are radically different from those that that Gallatin and Jefferson confronted when they came into office, you know, over 200 years ago. Um, their their problem when they came into office was how to pay down a 90 million dollar debt that they had inherited from the revolution and the, the Federalist administrations that preceded them. And they thought it was critical to pay that debt down because a nation deeply in debt was not really free. Mm-hmm. It was always going to be beholden in one way or another to its creditors, to the people who were in owning the money or providing the additional money necessary to keep that scheme running. Mm-hmm. And it, it was that democratic instinct more mm-hmm. than anything else that drove them to be fiscally responsible. And they set in place a culture of fiscal responsibility that really lasted in this country until the early or mid 20th century. Mm-hmm. Gallatin statue is in front of the treasury right beside the White House put there in the 1920s because he was very much remembered at that time mm-hmm. as the founder of our fiscal culture. Well, who could argue with that, though? That seems like so much common sense. <laughs> and uh, and maybe that's because I, I'm, a, I'm a very, very conservative person. <laughs> and uh, and uh, today I say the same thing. It's like, okay, how can these modern Democrats argue when you make a case for fiscal responsibility. It just seems like what uh, a family does at the kitchen table. It, it seems literally like common sense. So who who was arguing with this back then? Well, back then, uh, the, the argument with it came from people who thought that we needed a stronger military establishment in order to establish what was then a fledgling little country on the border of the Atlantic Ocean as a a power that had to be reckoned with in the Atlantic world to protect ourselves from the great powers of the day, which were Great Britain and France. Mm -hmm. So those were the people who were arguing against it at the time. Of course, since then, there are always people arguing for ways to spend the government's money. And Gallatin, in fact, in in a wonderful letter to the Marquis de Lafayette, Uh, pointed out that that was always going to be the problem of democracy because people could see the benefit of spending money now Mm -hmm. that they didn't have to pay for until later or that they would never have to pay for because it would just be rolled ahead into an ever-growing national indebtedness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it was Jefferson that said that uh, intergenerational debt is like stealing uh, from another generation that is actually immoral. Yeah, he he and some others uh, said that. Actually, there were some other members of the Republican Party from Virginia and North Carolina who said it even even more lyrically and emphatically than Jefferson himself did. And interestingly, 
that that was an idea that uh, Jefferson and some of the others had borrowed from the French revolutionaries who were looking for an excuse not to pay the debt they found uh, that the royal government had run up before the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And so now you have... You have these people that um, are these towering figures, uh, Gallatin, whom you write about, Hamilton, whom we, we, we know about, and their leadership style, uh, you know, what was it about them and, and what caused the clash? And do you see people today uh, on style and policy that we can uh, look at and identify and, and kind of see a pattern? Well, of course, the personality types always repeat themselves in, in one way or another, even as times change. But Gallatin and Hamilton couldn't have been more different as personalities. Gallatin was an immigrant from a small city state, independent at the time, called Geneva, now part of, of course of the country of Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he came here as a as a teenager with no money. He had a French accent for his whole life, and he he was always derided by his political opponents for being a foreigner and for being a tax rebel because he actually had come to attention uh, through the armed rebellion that his neighbors in Western Pennsylvania mounted against Hamilton's excise tax on whiskey. We remember mm, the, whiskey the whiskey rebellion. rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's well, why I... Hamil- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Hamilton, on the other hand, was uh, was an elitist, a centralizer. Uh, I mean, the Broadway musical cast him as an immigrant, but he was really a migrant within the British Empire. And he, he might have been derided by his enemies for being poor and illegitimate, but he very quickly married into one of the most powerful families in New York, and he became an insider. His whole power mm-hmm. depended upon his friendship with Washington and, and his inside connections. And, you, and that's so interesting because today you have elitists who, and basically they will pimp their brown skin or, you know, oh, well, I'm, you know, my grandfather came from so-and-so or, you know, I'm black, I'm Hispanic, I'm female. And they're powerful insiders, but, you know, they present themselves before the nation as a victim because they belong to some group that people are able to convince um, the uninformed that these are people that are, are marginalized. And you know, it, just, it just seems that, you know, the, and the, this is so this is like a lesson for today uh, for people that are looking for ways to to fight that false uh, argument that that people make. Well, certainly the the um, notion that Hamilton was uh, some sort of an immigrant success story uh, is a profound confusion of our historical understanding of his of his role and the way he was understood throughout the 19th century. Indeed, he, he has become sort of a respectable historical figure. Uh, only in the 20th century, as the federal government has become the kind of consolidated, powerful system that he envisioned. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about economic warfare a little bit. I was um, talking about this a little bit in the previous hour 
uh, before in talking about it in anticipation in anticipation of having you come on and, and you as the expert. <laughs> okay, um, but um, we have uh, Cloward Piven, the Cloward Piven strategy. Uh, Frances Fox Piven and her late husband Richard Cloward. Uh, they wrote a, a, a paper famously uh, back in 1966, uh, basically saying you could literally destroy the United States uh, of America's uh, idea of freedom and replace it with uh, communism by overwhelming the federal government with more financial demands than it could possibly meet. And it would all come crashing down. And hasn't economic warfare been a tool that nations use against uh, other nations? For example, uh, I think Reagan used economic warfare against the Soviet Union via driving down oil prices. Well, yes, economic warfare has been important through, throughout history. Indeed, it was very important um, in our founding era because uh, Great Britain and France were at war throughout much of the 18th century. And then when Napoleon became emperor of, of France at war throughout the early 19th century until Waterloo. And um, they tried to uh, fight each other by putting restrictions on trade, which profoundly affected the United States since it was a neutral trader that was trying to export foodstuffs and other basic raw materials to Great Britain. And it was, it was the British and French interference with American trade that more than anything else affected uh, the, the, the uh, amount of fervor and dissonance in American politics throughout that period and ultimately led us into war with Britain in 1812. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that that's uh, an example of economic warfare that profoundly affected the formation of American political parties, our, our financial policy, and how we ultimately decided to build up our military after the War of 1812. Mm -hmm. Now, those, in, those internally. Of course, as you say, continue. Now, internally, this Cloward-Piven strategy to to use economic warfare inside the nation, uh, you know, and it seems that in, in a modern sense, the Democrats want to spin like there's no tomorrow, and Republicans give lip service to it, and basically they will take their foot off the gas a little bit and rather than drive over the fiscal cliff which is definitely looming out there. We're like the, the largest uh, debtor nation in the history of humanity. Um, and, and, and the Republicans seem to just want to drive towards the cliff at 25 miles an hour, but they never, ever want to put it in reverse. It's like they, they, they don't have the nerve to go to the American people and make the case of why we must put this thing in reverse. You have to say no to some of these things. You know, am I describing this accurately? Well, I, I think overspending is is a, a sort of systemic problem built into democracies for the for the reason I mentioned before, and it, voters can always see a benefit from current spending mm -hmm. that they don't immediately have to pay for. So, to make democracies fiscally responsible, politicians have to have the sense of responsibility and the nerve to keep spending and taxes in some sort of relationship. 
And in the last 25 years, 30 years, we in this country have completely lost that discipline in both parties. Mm -hmm. Indeed, some of the biggest unfunded entitlement spending commitments were made under uh, the second Bush administration. Mm -hmm. So yeah, expanding. um, Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, uh, the drug, you know, the, um, the drug deal. Exactly. That was, that was the biggest unfunded entitlement program that's ever been enacted in in this country. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of responsibility to go around. Mm-hmm. What we have is, is is a systemic problem that we managed relatively successfully for most of our national history. But in the last 30 years or so, we've dropped the ranks. Mm-hmm. Now, are there a cohort of people that, again, going back to Cloward and Piven, you know, you hear a lot about George Soros and how he's, bankrupted other nations. You know, I I don't have the expertise to unwind, you know, the types of things that he's been accused of doing. Uh, But are there people that want to see a financial collapse in America and are are pushing policies? You know, not the, you know, the average person, I think maybe the average politician is just sensitive to to voters and, uh, you know, like Bush trying to make sure he got reelected. So basically he's purchasing the votes of the elders uh, who so many of them moved to Florida because I, I got to win Florida. Um, but are, are there people that really have deep knowledge and, and have a long range vision and just going to sit and patiently wait? Uh, and, and will their waiting be rewarded if we don't put this thing in reverse? Well, I guess I don't find it easy to relate to conspiracy theories, uh, and, and I, I don't really think that uh, that kind of an internal destructive approach is, is going to benefit anybody. But it, it, in the international setting, it, it's clearly true that countries ha- have an interest in making sure that they're economically strong because as we saw at the end of the Cold War and as we've seen in the world wars in this century and in major conflicts throughout the 19th century, indeed in, in the American Civil War, if we want to look for an example in our country, mm-hmm. it's, it's usually the side that has the healthiest economy that has the best chance of winning a yes. major military conflict. Yeah, so true, so true. You know, if you can't buy the arrows, if you can't buy the steel, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's hard to win a war. Yeah, so, and, uh, but anyway, it's it's been great uh, having you on, sir. And uh, again, out there, folks, this is Gregory May. Uh, the book is Jefferson's Treasure, How Albert Gallatin Saved the New Nation from Debt, and uh, a good book, and uh, you, you, you have um, anything else you want to share with the audience, how folks can uh, get your book, how they connect with, can connect with you, or maybe you have a new book coming out soon? Well, th- this book is available wh- wherever books are sold. Um, it's, it's online, it's in bookstores, and if uh, people would like to connect with me, I have a, a website, GregoryMayAuthor.com. GregoryMayAuthor.com. Great, great. All right. Thank you so much, sir. 
Thank you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you too. Bye now. Bye. All right. Well, all right, folks, we're going to take a really quick break here. And, uh, hey, freedom isn't free. We're sitting here. I'm discussing with uh, Mr. May the uh, the finances of the nation. And so please listen to this giving ad and uh, maybe think about the finances of the First Amendment, Inc. and the really real deal. And, um, you know, and the fact that, uh, you know, like I've been saying, uh, freedom really is not free. Uh, my prayer is that you would go to our website, thereallyrealdeal.com, and hit that great big uh, donate button. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, the First Amendment Inc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog Radio Program, The Really Real Deal, as we listen again to a little bit of the late, great Aretha Franklin. Now, as promised, folks, we have another fantastic author uh, to share with you today. Uh, we have Mr. Derek Hunter, who is a D.C.-based writer, and uh, his columns appear in Town Hall uh, dot com. He's a contributing editor over at the Daily Caller. Uh, he's written for the Washington Times, Detroit Free Press, Baltimore Sun, and I could go on and on and on. But his latest is Outrage Inc. And uh, you who are longtime listeners to your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, you know uh, how many years I've been telling you uh, that these poverty pimps are just in it for the money. And so, hey, we got, uh, I, I might have to call you uh, Brother Derek. <laughs> how you doing there? I'm doing well, Brother Craig. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so, you know, you write this book and the subtitle is How the Liberal Mob Have Ruined science, journalism, uh, and Hollywood. And, uh, and, you know, and it's, and it's getting to the point where it's like, it's so obvious that what you're saying is absolutely 100% true. You know, everybody said, oh, the book came out at the perfect time because liberals are so mad. 
But if you really think about it, they're always mad. They just keep getting madder. So, you know, next week, next month, next year, they'll be angrier. They'll be more outraged. So it's a, sort of a perpetual thing, a state. It's, a, it's an election strategy, really, for you the know, left. You know, that is so true. And as a matter of fact, this is what I mean. Even the uh, the political outrage that they manufacture, like the Mueller, and you know, and, and you know these these nitwit uh, low fat Republicans. Oh, it's it's not going to go anywhere. He doesn't have anything. Is Trump's going to be um, exonerated? Yada yada yada. But what they don't get is that it's a drip drip drip, so they can have an excuse to be outraged to affect people at at the voting booth because That's they have nothing. Yeah, what do they have of substance to sell to people other than, you know, Republicans hate you? Uh, it's socialism, which doesn't sell, so they need to keep people either angry or afraid because those are very, very powerful motivators. And it also, most importantly, Brother Craig, being emotional prevents rational thought. I bet yes. most of the things you've ever apologized for <laughs> were not done or said while you were sitting calmly behind a desk. You know they you're were, so right. <laughs> Yeah. So if you keep people irrational, you're not thinking rationally. So it's much easier to motivate them. The problem is it's really easy to stir up an angry mob, but it's difficult to control it. And they're playing a game of chicken between now and the election that whether or not there will be violence before that. You can't tell people that Adolf Hitler Jr. resides in the White House and and not expect somebody to be unhinged. We saw that last year with James Hodgkinson trying to kill all those Republicans yes. on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. Somebody could snap, but Democrats are hoping against hope that nobody does before November. If they are you don't, sure they're hoping that now? Because neither you or I can read their minds. And- I think they are just from an electoral standpoint. If there's violence, political violence coming from the left, I think that hurts them in November. I think that turns off a lot of normal people. And if there isn't, then the anger and the rage could motivate a lot of people that they've, and the fear that they've stirred up in people could mm-hmm. motivate a lot of people to go to the polls. Like I said, it's a, it's a dangerous game of chicken. Yeah. But what they typically do is they just blame the Republicans. Case in point, right. the uh, right, right here in the state of Virginia last year, uh, it, the unfortunate thing, a woman died uh, in Charlottesville. Yeah. Okay. Now you had uh, well over a thousand armed um, government agents were there. There were um, you had National Guard, you had um, local police, you had state troopers, you you had, uh, and there were other agencies. But there were over a thousand, uh, over a thousand men with guns that were there, and this nationwide. Um, uh, what was a right-wing extremist group? They attracted, they put out a nationwide call and attracted 200 people. Right. 200. 200 against 1,000. Uh, and, and you had, uh, what, Antifa types with uh, baseball bats and um, flame, makeshift flamethrowers. It took some type of spray and put a, mm-hmm. um, put a match to it, and it would become a flamethrower. But well, they, they purposely said... Stay back, which is the same thing they said in Baltimore, which is the same thing they said in Ferguson, Missouri, to all these police officers. Stay back. How do we know this is not a a plan to allow the mayhem to unfold rather than a mistake? How do we know that? Well, I would never underestimate the incompetence of government. But I will say one end result is it's very interesting because – when that guy did that in Charlottesville and killed that girl, Heather Heyer, 
it was used as condemnation of everybody on the right. Not those monsters, those 200 monsters, but it was everybody, every Republican. Exactly. When James Me, Hodgkinson yeah. tried to kill everybody on the baseball field, it was one man. It was his fault. There was no ex- examination of how maybe he was inspired, just judging by his Facebook post, by the fact that the media and the Democrats had been saying for months that the Republicans' health care plan was literally going to kill forty to 50,000 people per mm-hmm. year. And if you really honestly believe that, or if you believe that Nazis have taken over, you almost have a moral obligation to act, especially if you're unhinged. And mm-hmm. there was no examination of that by the media because well, they knew the that game. they were guilty. See, CNN moved on from the story before Steve Scalise was off life support. Three days into that story, CNN moved on. They're still talking about Charlottesville, even though, and I'll tell you this, Brother Craig, that, that mutant mob down in Charlottesville on both sides, they were both leftists. The yes. le- idea of leftists is they want the power of government to impose their will on everybody else. The racists want the power of government to impose their racist will on everybody else, just like the Antifa fascists mm-hmm. want the power of government to impose their will on everybody else. The logical, if you take conservatism out to the extreme, it would be anarchy. Conservatism is small, limited government doing very little and individual rights. You take that to the extreme, it's anarchy. It's not totalitarianism. On the left is exactly where all of these totalitarian monsters live. They try and pin Hitler, Stalin, Mao on the right. They were not. The National Socialist German Workers Party, the socialist part, is very important. You know something? You're singing off of my hymn book, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get an amen? Amen. I can't tell you how many years I've been saying the exact same thing. Folks, uh, if you're just joining us, folks, we have Derek Hunter. He's the author of Outrage, Inc., okay, how the liberal mob, how they've ruined science, journalism, in Hollywood, government. I mean, they've ruined everything they touch. You know, I just got through talking in the first hour of today's program about how there's this coalition of evil and and you take the uh and I'm always careful to tell the uh the folks cuz there may be democrats listening and I don't mean you Ma and Paul Democrat, you know, right. just like when I beat up on uh, low-fat Republicans, I, I don't mean you, Ma and Paul Republican. I'm, I'm focusing on leadership, okay? And so the Democrat leadership, the communists, the socialists, the atheists, the Muslim fundamentalists, the Nazis, <clears throat> you're, you're absolutely right that what they all have in common is that their vision is to take government and empower the elites who are powerful to dominate the rest of us, the exact opposite of the founding of this nation, which says rights and freedom comes from God. Right. On the right, it is about individual liberty and individual responsibility. On the left, it is about collective liberty and no responsibility. If you listen to what the Democrats have been saying for the past 30, 40 years since Mm -hmm. the Great Society, it is all about absolving people of responsibility and and keeping them angry. If I, I, I grew up in Detroit. I lived in Baltimore oh, for 15 wow. years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I have had, I would say, more jobs than most families. I've had at least 67 jobs in wow. my life. Uh, as main into a trailer park, working at Best Buy, you name it, I've done it. And every time I failed, and I've been fired a lot, every time I failed, 
especially early on in high school and just after high school, it was very tempting to be mad at the person who fired me Mm -hmm. because it it was the system. I'd been told the system is keeping you down. The system is rigged against you. You're never going to get ahead. Your dad drove a forklift for General Motors for 30 years. What what do you think you're going to do? And then I realized that you know, each one of those could be a learning experience. Each one of those things were my fault. It wasn't everybody who's mad at the world who wants to find excuses to avoid looking in the mirror says, Oh, my boss hated me. Oh, they, you know, they had it out for me. Your boss doesn't care about you. Your boss is mad at you. If you don't do a good job, if you bust your butt and do a great job, your boss is going to love you. Yeah. And so you, you, if you believe in the system is rigged and you can't get ahead, if you fail a couple of times, it's not going to be because, hey, I didn't interview very well for that job or, hey, I screwed up or I was, fi- I was only five minutes late. You can find a way to justify it. And then you think, well, why should I bother trying? The system is rigged. I've been, you know, messed over, and screwed over by it twice or three times already. I'm going to just give up. I'm going to just get a comfortable job. I'm going to, it's going to sap you of your ambition. This it's going to sap you want. of your humanity. And then they've got you because then to one degree or another, you're government dependent. You're a serf. Yeah. And isn't this what the big battle has been ever since the founding of America? You know, it's like um, the de Tocqueville came over here. And when he was studying America, it's not that he was liking what he saw. He was trying to tell the folks back home hey, this is the future, <laughs> okay, and our days are numbered. And, you know, their thing was, you know, the uh, the nobility, you know, right. the dukes, the duchesses, and the earls, and and, and, and all of this. And, and our thing was, uh, you know, no, there's no divine right of kings. Uh, I, we all have our rights, and they come from God, and you, you're born free. And um, we just loan you our freedom for, for a hot minute, and if you don't do the right thing, we can take it from you and give it to someone else. I heard, uh, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Terry Crews, the actor, where he's talking to Adam Carolla on a podcast a long time ago, and he was talking about how he grew up with a lot of people who were mad, and they wanted their piece of the pie, and they weren't getting their piece of the pie. And Terry Crews said, the thing about the United States is it's a kitchen. You make your own pie. Right. And that's exactly what the left doesn't want people to think about. Mm-hmm. Look, it, it's kind of funny to hear this message that you can't get ahead and the system is rigged from people like Barack Obama and Elizabeth Warren, right? both of who came from nothing or modest means and mm-hmm. are now incredibly wealthy and had their hands on the levers of power. Yeah. Like, uh, Then how did you buck the trend? How did you beat the system? And of course, with progressives, they always believe that they're special and they're better than everybody yeah. else and they're the exception and not the rule. And they it, actively teach this. I mean, Michelle oh yeah. Obama, I remember her speaking to a bunch of poor women in Ohio telling them uh, she was complaining how she and Barack just recently paid off their college loans so you all, you shouldn't go to college. You should get a job in the helping industries, be a nurse's <laughs> aide, and make $12 an hour. You know, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, this is abuse of, 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 of people. Well, once you start sapping people's ambitions and dreams and hopes, you start taking away what makes us human, what makes us individuals. And you begin to create drones, and those are the base of the Democratic Party. Yeah, 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 man. We own the same hymn book again. It's <laughs> like the the poor at the bottom, the poor, the uninformed at the bottom, and those at the top that have been educated beyond their usefulness. You well, have to realize if you feel like a victim, 
of life, it's more likely than not that you're actually the perp. Amen to that. Amen to that. And, um, you know, so now tell folks how they can get your book, how they can connect with you and, uh, and, and maybe what you have coming out next. Uh, well, I just published this one, so <laughs> it's going to take a little while. <laughs> uh, you can go to Amazon.com, just search my name, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, Hunter. Uh, the book is Outrage, Inc. You can follow me on Twitter at Derek A. Hunter. I do a daily podcast for The Daily Caller, and my columns appear on townhall.com on Thursdays and Sundays. Okay, great. It's been so great having you, and, uh, you know, I really like this book, man, and uh, we're going to have it up on our website over at TheReallyRealDeal.com. I appreciate it, Brother Craig. You have a great weekend. Okay, thank you. You also. All right, bye now. Well, all right, folks, we're going to take our final break of the day. Uh, That was great. I mean, talk about singing off the same hymn book. My goodness. (laughs) Man, you know, I've been saying this stuff for years, and he puts it all in a book. And um, this is just, um, you know, Outrage Incorporated. These are these. And this is why I use the term poverty pimp and pulpit pimp, okay? Because when uh, what many people who are honest people that are just searching for good information, what you see as a tragedy, these people see as a cha-ching, cha-ching. It's an opportunity to cash in, okay? And for those who think I'm being harsh, I'm saying nothing different than what Booker T. Washington said over 100 years ago when he said there is a class of Negro that will always seek to bring the problems of the colored people to the public. And they will never allow the wounds to heal because then they would have to go and get a real job, okay? And so they will lose their ability to get attention and they will lose their ability to earn money. And over 100 years ago, that was, and I was paraphrasing there, over 100 years ago, that was Booker T. Washington, okay? And in 2018, hey, I'm saying the same thing, and Derek Hunter with this book, Outrage, Inc., he has said it. We're going to take a break. The phone number, uh, we have probably about eight minutes left in the program. The phone number, if you would like to call, 804-454-1366, 804-454. One three six six. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. 
There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, TheFirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Back to the program, America's your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on America's Big Dog Radio Program, the really real deal. And uh, and again, folks, I hope you are paying attention to our giving ad. And uh, uh, my prayer is that um, you are givers uh, and that you give somewhere, uh, that you give often, and that you give generously. And uh, give, as I say, as I say in the ad, give in the measure that God has blessed you with. And, um, you know, not just here, uh, at the first amendment Inc, uh, but to just to be a giver, be a giver. And for those of you who do not go online, um, you know, for those of you who do go online, the website is the really real deal.com. But for those who may want to just send a check to the first amendment Inc, uh, the address is eight, six, five, nine Staples Mill road, Richmond, Virginia, two, three, two, two, eight. 8659 Staples Mill Road, Richmond, Virginia, 23228. And we want to welcome Edison to the program, a longtime friend of this program. Edison, how are you, my brother? Fine, sir. How, it's so good to hear from you, uh, Brother Hatchet. I catch a show uh, as, as often as I can. I appreciate and, uh, that, man. That really, always, really means a lot. Yeah. It means a lot to me that you're there, you know, because you know, I think about that Bible verse, the man who told you the truth. And, and I think about this, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to get too intellectual, too intellectually. I don't want to get in all the basic fundamentals and principles that's applicable to keeping a person down. But I think D.L. Moody was probably one of the greatest ministers ever that for me, he, he, he taught me something. And not only that, but Jesus, he spoke in simplistic language. And uh, so it was recorded. Uh, he chose fishermen, the basic the foolish things of this world, you know, the Bible says, where's the wise, where's the scribe, where's the spirit's world? Has God not taken the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? And man's wisdom, he knew not God. Paul said, I came out preaching with enticing words of man's wisdom to save Jesus Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. So for simplicity's sake, you know, I think there's people out here, if you listen to them, you listen to Polosi, you know, listen to the other ones. You know who they are. They, They talk about, you know, Helping the poor and all this and all this. They, they, they use the poor. They're liars. They're right, using exactly. their, their poverty pimps. They're pimping poor people. Right. They're pimping people yeah. that are desperate and they're pimping people that lack understanding. Right. Uh, they're not trying to bring clarity. They're trying to increase anger. Right. If you get a, if you was to get a mile or two or half a mile, let's put it this way, two, five miles from Pelosi's house in, in San Francisco, She'd have you locked up. That woman lives in an unbelievable home. But let me tell you something. Yeah. As long as people get you believing that you can't do any better, 
You know, that's why they want they want they don't want the borders because the, mm. the Democrats want to, you know, and God bless me, some good Democrats. I just hadn't met none in a while. But, uh, <laughs> a, you know, but the bottom we're line trying is, to we're you, trying to teach the Democrats. <laughs> yes, sir. And convert and, them. And, you know, I was. Yeah, I was raised as a Democrat, but I, I changed over when I got to be a man. But the bottom line is this, brother Hatchet. You know, if you can keep people down, you can control them. That's right. You know, and and let's just like let's don't let's forget about the politicians, but let's don't don't forget about them. Let's think about this: How many people do you know in your lifetime that you see on a job or in the street, or you hear significant others talk about their their wives, or you hear about the, the basic things that happened in their life that kept them down. Somebody told them you couldn't be good enough. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I won't go into all this, but I know someone. You're right, says, brother. You never, ain't never and, go to and mountain. I appreciate you. You never go to mountain. Nothing. I'm telling you, you can't make it. You ain't going to do nothing. Look, don't. You know, you just you just don't have it. You know, and if you if you, that's all you hear all your life, sometimes these people can't be helped. They need to be prayed for. But yeah. as long well, as you pray for them, brother. Like but listen. Listen, I, I, right now we got four minutes left, and I've got to get my last caller in. You there? Okay. Thank you, brother. And um, I, I appreciate your call, uh, Edison. And now we want to welcome uh, Mike to the to the uh, audience. I wish somebody, you know, we hear all this stuff about Soros, Soros, and I've heard some stuff about him, too, and I don't know how much is true. I wish somebody would do an exhaustive study of his background uh, because of what I heard is true. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we well I talk about, about him all the time, and I, uh, I've, I've done some research into him, not an exhaustive enough research to write a book. But I tell well, you what, uh, Big Mike, I'll look into it and see perhaps who has written a book on him, and we'll book him as a guest on the program. How about right. that? And one other thing before you hang up. That hymn book you say you sing, you singing out the same hymn book as that guy, that author you just had on, <laughs> yes. it was real good. Let me tell you, friend, I was singing out of it before you were born, okay? <laughs> I believe you, Big Mike. <laughs> yeah, so you have a good weekend, okay? Thank you, Neil. God care. bless you. <laughs> okay, that was good. Two, uh, two good friends of the program, Edison and, and, uh, and Mike. I really appreciate you two guys. And... Um, you know, folks, uh, I want to remind you uh, one more time to, uh, if you're able, head out to uh, Clover Hill Church. at uh, It's on Bailey Bridge Road. The address is 12310, uh, Bailey Bridge Road, 12310, Bailey Bridge Road, uh, Clover Hill Church. And um, these are women on the warpath. Uh, they're having an intercessory prayer rally Um and I'm headed over there, okay? And so uh, I'll be uh, doing a prayer on media. And uh, before we go, I just want to share uh, just one one Bible verse with you uh, to close out today's program. And it's from uh, the book of Philippians. Uh, many of you are very, very familiar with this verse uh, from the fourth chapter, verse number eight. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I'm going to leave you with that, folks. And I'm just going to ask you to uh, 
you know, keep this program in prayer. Keep those women on the wharf path in prayer. Uh, listen to us tomorrow morning as we rebroadcast one of my older programs uh, right here tomorrow morning from uh, 9 to 11. And um, other than that, I'm going to see you guys next week, God willing. Same hatchet time, same hatchet station.